Here we are, episode 23 of Built for Better. Today I had Travis Young on with me. A really good chat about overcoming alcohol, drug and gambling addiction uh, to now being four years clean and sober. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away. I actually got Travis on to chat about um, goal setting and then breaking that down into um, monthly, weekly and daily tasks, which is an absolute guru at. Um, but this goes an hour 20 and we didn't get to that. So he's agreed he's going to jump on again and we'll do that in another podcast. Uh, but his story is a real cracker from going from rock bottom um, to really living a successful life, running a really successful gym in Cronulla. Before we get into it, let's roll the intro. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more wasted energy spinning a pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to send to me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but times of currency, I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your nudes. Like a place is a- hey, mate. Thanks for jumping on. Cool, brother. How are you? Good, good. How's your day been? Yeah, hectic, actually. Started with a 5K run at... um. About 5.15 and then straight into a class at 6.15. So we're doing the Zoom online classes. We tr- we're just trying this new class where we do, it's a box fit class, so shadow boxing, a bit of body weight, but then we threw a running component in and that was, that was deadly. It was good. Come home, some hot and cold, brekkie, straight back down, um, back into another class, got my car washed, and now I'm here. Where are we at? Yeah. For 11. Looks good. Hey, you've done more than what most people are doing in a day. Yeah, it's, I like that. I like to get. I, I like to front load my week and front load my morning. So get as much shit as I possibly can da- get done before twelve p.m. Because towards the back end of the day, I'm I'm hopeless, man. I go to bed so early. I think it's because I go get up so so early. But yeah, I'm no good. I'm I'm half the man I am in the in the morning. I say half the man in the hour. Compared to what I am in the morning, trust me. <laughs> in the hour. At least you've come to the realization, and you know that. Yeah. Work to your strengths, brother. Work to your strengths. 100%. And, like, what is it about getting up early and, like, is it every single morning you get a run in? Oh, every morning I try. At the moment I'm running a lot more because um, one of my mates, he's actually staying here at the moment. He's falling on a bit of tough times, break up with Mrs. Broken Heart, nothing worse than that. So he's actually staying in my spare room upstairs. But he's doing um i just got an email for it just then a, a running he's running for mx and he's doing 100ks and he's not a runner so he asked if i do it i said of course i'd, I'd jump on board and then um my big my big mate big groover lukey lewis he's doing 155ks in may and he asked if i'd do it so i just jumped on board it's 5ks a day um so yeah lately been doing a bit more running but every day i'll get up between 420 and 520 and if I'm not working, like if my first class isn't 5.15, the first thing I do is train every morning. So whether it's in the, I got in, in the, um, the garage at the moment, I've got a pretty sweet setup. I've got bikes, ski, row, barbells, plates. So if it's not there, it's running. Um, and, yeah, just every morning getting something done for about 30 to an hour and a half every morning. Yeah, perfect start to the day. I um I've got similar setup now. Like I moved heaps from my gym into my shed, skier, grow, air bike, and it's like I'm getting accustomed to just walking out the back and getting it straight done. I could really get used to it. 
Oh, how good is it? I went and got my mats and everything, cut it all in, and I, I, I think the missus, I think she's happy with it. She was filthy at the start. But um, I think she's happy now because she's able to go down and just train and then, like, get on with the day. So we've got, we, we got our own little office set. I've got my, my station here. Chloe's got her station over there. Bang, straight into the gym, like, if we need to as well. So that's nah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've always wanted a little bit of home gym, even though I've got a full-on gym just around the corner. But I don't know, something about the convenience. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, 25 minutes is all you need some days and when you can just slip outside, do that and then get straight back into it, then, like, I mean, it's ideal. Yeah, especially the first, my first week in ISOL, like, when I say isolation, we are pretty free with what we could do. But my first week, like, I was just getting antsy towards the back end. I didn't really realise why until I kind of looked at my calories that I was burning each day. and Oh, no, no, sorry, not my calories, my steps that I was walking each day. Because I was doing upwards of 2Ks per class that I was on because, just because I'm just getting around the room so much. So I didn't realize I was getting so antsy because I was still training as – no, I was training more, but in the arbors, I still felt like I had too much energy, so I had to jump in in the garage to like a 10, 15-minute little email or something. But, you know, I figured it out. Like my average steps was around 20,000, and I was only doing about 13,000 um on that first week but I've, I've figured that out i go for walks and that now just to kind of cover that up yeah i was praying on about the ten thousand steps like make sure you get it and then i dragged my watch out of the drawer and like spending so much more time in the office i ate five thousand steps or something i was like fuck i better do something about this so yeah 5k oh. loop every day that i sort of march out as well yeah, so that's you just got to find. It's that neat, you know, that lit, that the things that the um, calories that you burn with yeah, kind of mean to you on your day to day stuff that you kind of like. I forgot about, and I was like, "What? I'm training hard." I was so sore as well doing all the body weight stuff because we do the class when we run our Zoom classes. We do the session with them, like so. There'll be two trainers, one demonstrating one, and when one at the front um, explaining what the exercise is, we rotate. But like. We just get so into it. Like, we kind of get caught up when we, we want to train. So, like, both of us will end up, like, doing the exercise. Like, oh, no, no, you go. No, you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love watching it. I love watching it. So, uh, anyone doesn't follow Travis on social media, make sure you do it. It's um, really good content. Let's uh, – let's, we jumped right ahead really quick. Yeah. Let's rewind a little bit. Yeah. Um, what were you like as – what was your upbringing like? What was your like at school? And have you always kind of been on the path with health and fitness? No, no. Okay, so uh, for everyone that doesn't know me, I'm Travis Young, currently uh, gym owner in Tarrant Point, Cronulla, or the Shire. Um, I'm 31, I've got two boys, two little rat bags. One's a rat bag, one's sweet and innocent, actually. Um, pop their chalk and cheats. Um, love training. No, did, definitely didn't always be like that. I, um, I actually am a recovering drug addict, alcoholic, gambling addict, um, four years ago, but we'll go through my upbringing to start with. So my upbringing was doozy, bro. Like, um, I had three siblings, two sisters, one brother. Footy, footy, footy was just my way of life when we were younger. Um, my, my old man played for Bulldogs, and I just grew up just surrounded by by rugby league, and I loved everything that rugby league came with as well. So. Really good upbringing. I was um, pretty smart. Like, I was one of those kids that could get by. Even though I was a cheeky little shit, I could still get by um, in, in school. I was popular, good at sport, um, all the way through high. I loved high school. Um, and then 
didn't really have a, a, any direction when I left school. I think that's where, if, if you like in hindsight, looking back, that's where the cracks started to appear. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like I enjoyed training sort of when I was um, when I was younger, when I was like say 16, 17, 18. That's when I just started. Like I enjoyed the endorphins, but it's not nothing like what it is now. So yeah, got out of school, didn't really have a direction and kind of just I, – I, I um, was either going to go into graphic design or personal training and I went and did one week of graphic design and I, like if you guys follow me for just one day, you'll see that I got way too much energy to be sitting in an office. So I think I drove my uncle insane because I went and did work experience with him. I was like, no, that's not me. So I went and did uh, my personal training course. It was eight weeks, piece of piss. I felt like I knew more than some of the trainers there at times um, just from – um, having more of a sporting background just from rugby league and just training and we I didn't realize how much I, and even like later on in life I didn't realize how much rugby league taught me in life uh, and that was one of those moments as well so yeah did the course uh, smashed the course and then I started a little um, at home studio which is I, I actually sorry I had two girls that we, I started training and it's, it came from a conversation when I was on the Pierce and I was like, yeah, I'm the best trainer, bro. Yeah, I'm really good. Didn't have a single client. And anyways, Jag, these two girls come train with me that I, one of them I knew since I was really, really young. And they started training with me, um, had a, a pair of dumbbells, a rubber band, and that was it. And then from there, started a little home studio. Two girls went to four, four girls went to eight. And then I started training a couple of my mates. I had three boys. Three boys went to six, six went to 12. So after about probably nine months, I um, I was outgrowing the little home studio. Like, and I and already started getting out of the PT kind of format. Like I, I'd rather do two two people once or three people once or four people once and that kind of kept growing. And uh, without even meaning to, I was creating little systems um, around that. So rather than doing PTs, I started doing like group boys weight sessions at this time, girls' leg sessions at this time and, and figuring that out, kind of working smarter, not harder. And then started playing footy down the coast. So I was 21, started playing footy down the coast, down Aldala. Um, loved it down there. And I met this bloke, AJ Hatch. He's an absolute animal, lovely guy, really good guy. And um, we hit it off and we started we, – we, he was a PT and he was working out Rose Bay. And um, – I was always into him. Like, let's let's do something. He's like, no, no, I'm on a good, I'm on a good wicket where I am, you know. But he was driving from Cronulla to Rose Bay every morning, so he's getting up at like four o'clock in the morning and driving to Rose Bay. Rose Bay is like a forty minute drive, 30, 40 minute drive. Anyways, I was like, oh look, I'm going to get a factory. If you can jump on board. Anyways, I remember I went, I went and got this factory. It was like on a Friday. And I, and I had spoke to him about, I don't know, a week or two weeks ago about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a factory. Look, this is what's happening. He goes, no, no, I'm not in. I'm like, yeah, no worries. So I went and got this factory. I was going to do it by myself. It's going to be called Kebby Young Fitness. Anyway, so he calls me on the Friday. He goes, you're still getting the factory. I said, bro, I literally just signed the papers. He goes, I'm in. I said, what do you mean you're in? He goes, I'm in. I'm leaving my job. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm, we'll do it together. I'm like, fucking oh. So Kebby Young started. Um, and it was a decent-sized factory, but we had 150, about 120 to 150 squares, uh, give or take. And those next six years that we had, bro, it's, it's laughable. Like you will laugh at some of the shit we did coming from a, a from a training background. But 
we did everything wrong. We were collecting cash for probably the first year. It was like an honesty system. <laughs> I was like, hey, buddy, did you, did you pay last week? He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, sweet. And it was like, you know, two weeks later, are you up to date? Like, did you get money? I'd be like, hey, did you get money off Pat? And he's like, no, nah, did you? I'm like, oh, no, we probably should get it off him. Horrible, horrible. No systems, nothing. But <laughs> to be honest, we were both going in there with the, with the um, idea of doing PTs. I do my PTs, he do his PTs. But what happened, just like at, when I was at my home gym, it just started like evolving where I was doing more and more group stuff and I just said, look, let's let's combine our, our, train, our, our clients and just start doing PTs, um, sorry, group trainings, and we're doing PTs in between our breaks. So we did that and um, far out. Good Can time. I just jump man. over you there, mate? Yep. Tell me a little bit about the like PTs versus group, like what your current thoughts are. Like I've done the similar transition myself. Like when I originally started and did the PT thing and like made the switch to groups. What's your major thoughts on the difference between the two? Groups is just so much more scalable. It's just so much it's it's like I said before, it's working smarter, not harder. When you're doing PTs, you're you're so locked in for that 45 minutes with your client. And you know better than anyone, you're more of a, a counsellor than you are um, a PT during that, that 45 minutes. It was for me for a lot of them as well. And you're locked in, and but it doesn't finish there with your PT, with PTs. Like when you go home, they're messaging the corner because they're asking questions and you want to give them the best service possible. So, yeah, I just found that it wasn't very scalable and I just found it. And the biggest thing in terms of a product is when you start training people together, the energy that comes from each each different person, you know what I mean? Like I'm good at creating uh, creating energy, but it's hard one-on-one, you know what I mean? There's only so much you can kind of give out. But if you've got a group of 10, especially if you've got a group of 10 boys, a, a group of 10 footy boys, you get those 10 boys trained and, and the, the, the place explodes with energy. It's the same kind of format with groups. Like as soon as you kind of get three, four, five, six people, people bounce off each other. Um, it can go either way as well. If one person's been a sad sack and kind of dragging the session down, that will bring it down just as quickly as you've got someone who's pepping up, come on, kick, 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 I need you to come with me, let's go. But it almost takes away, if, if they're going good, if, if you've got that person in the group, it almost takes away like your responsibilities as much as well. Like It makes your, your job a little bit easier. So I, I, I enjoy the group. I, for me personally, I enjoy group training way more than PTs because I'm good in the group atmosphere. That's that's my thoughts. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, that's the same as me. And I think it gives more people the opportunity to train more often, you know. Not many people mm-hmm. can afford to do the amount of PT sessions required. Scalable for them too. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, and I've also seen people who I used to do PT with and I'd try my absolute hardest to, you know, get that little extra push and you throw them in a group environment and they see someone of similar fitness level yeah. and it really drives them to push that extra extra bit like i kind of look at a few people and go where'd that where'd that come from you know like all them numbers on the row are you know hell of a lot better than what they were so i I think it's the only way yeah it's a natural competitiveness coming out in people if you grow up playing team sport you can tell you can tell straight away if someone's playing team sport female male doesn't matter if they played team sport before you see it in the group atmosphere as soon as as soon as there's a, a little bit of competitive we do a lot of um team style training sessions so there's one session we do where 
Uh, there's two ways you can do it where we'd send them out for a run, come back in, right? And there's three different blocks. Each box got three exercises they've got to complete five times. Once they finish, they've got to jump on the cardio machines and they've got to go one for one with their team members getting as many cows as they possibly can. And like it's like the team on the ski, team on the bikes, team on the, on the rowers, and whatever team gets the most amount of cows wins, but they've got to do that block, then that block, then that block. And then you just see everyone like all different walks of life. you got, you know, a bigger guy over here, you know, they've got, they got the, the skinny little girl over here, you got the bigger lady there, and they're all going, go, go, rip it. And then you just sit back and you just on it like, oh, I'm just going feral, running around the room, going, go. <laughs> and then everyone, but everyone jumps on board and that creates that community as well. And that's what I grew up loving was team environments, team culture. And obviously for me, it was the rugby league culture that I love. So I want to bring that group atmosphere Um as best we could into the gym. So what, what I got from footy and that team culture and that team building, what all those life lessons I learned, and I reckon we'll get into it soon, but put them in, into a group class, and i tell you what, it's a hell of a drug, that, that, that's where it's at. 100%. Sorry to jump yeah. on here. Um, no, all good. So 21, um, started started business, went for six years. We did everything wrong, but we had so much fun. So... Really, lots of fun, a lot of partying, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of good times. Though, but towards the back end, things started slipping for me. So, two, around two thousand fourteen, I found out I was going to be a dad, and like this should be a really, really positive time for you know a young male. But for me, it wasn't. And the reason why was that this like, my partner that I was with for the time was, and there's nothing wrong with her. It was just the way I was feeling. Beautiful girl, but like I just wasn't. I just didn't feel like it was the right thing. And rather than talking about and communicating these things, um, which I, I know a lot of males don't, but they're not very good at it, you know. So, like, I couldn't communicate well what I was going through. And, and rather than talking to anyone, I, I just started drinking a lot more and then started partying a lot more. So I've been taking, you know, cocaine and drinking since I was 21. But, like, I'll be completely honest, I was not I was definitely not in an addiction. I didn't have an addictive way there. It was get a piece of the boys behind. I'd be the first one home. Um, but then around the time, when I was like 24, 25, when I found out that I was going to have Jack, 2014, found out I was going to have Jack. And the wheels started falling off. And I started partying, partying, and partying. And then I hit a really, really low point because one of my mates that I was training at the time, he, he passed away. He went away to Europe and um, he, he passed away on, on a yacht. And it just, again, couldn't communicate my feelings and just sought to try and fix the feelings with, you know, another problem, you know, trying to solve one problem with another problem, which was, you know, I was sad and I was upset and then trying to figure that out with drugs, alcohol, gambling. So I went on a massive, massive downward spiral and for the next, I think it was 12 weeks, and this is while my then partner was was pregnant. I was just bandering every seat, every single weekend. It started like Friday to Saturday morning, then it went to Friday to Saturday. Alabama. And by the end, by the time Jet was born, I was able to go from Friday to Sunday, not a problem. From Sunday Arvo, so I'll go all the way through. Um, the benders just kept getting bigger, spending more. It just got more and more out of hand. And then, um, so I went, I went on this massive bender. I was from Friday to Sunday. I was completely cooked. 
went to bed Sunday night, went to work on the Monday, absolutely dragging my feet, and I would have been so shit at work. Like, I look back now and go, how the hell did I even get through? Like, how? why were people still turning up? So con- contradicting to a PT, you know, all week practice, uh, preach, doing this, 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 and then on the weekend practicing something completely different. Anyway, so I rock up to finish work, go home, fall asleep, and I remember at 11 or 12 o'clock at night, my partner woke me up. She goes, my water's just broke. I was like, what? So we're out of it. We go we go to um, the hospital. It was a 22-hour labor. Um, got through that. And then I was, it was t- tough for me. <laughs> so tough on the girls. But, yeah, <laughs> so I got through got, got through the, to, to, to when Jet was born. I think it was 11 o'clock the next night. Um, it was a Tuesday night. And he was born, he was in my arms, and then, like, I literally had him for about 30 seconds and, and then put him down and fell asleep on the chair. And it wasn't because of labour. It was because I hadn't slept for those three days leading up. So, you know, that's something I look back now and I, I get so filthy on myself because I miss that moment with my first with my first born. And, you know, and you, you'd think moments like that would kind of pull you up and go, all right, you've got to kind of look at yourself. But, nah, like, I, I remember as soon as... I think it was like one, I had one sober weekend, like Jeff's first week was born, I was sober, and then it, it was like another six, seven weeks straight, and it was like I reckon I had about 12 wedding of the heads that just kept coming up. Um, and then towards the back end of that year, 2014, I, I, I knew what I was doing was wrong. This is the you know the side of me that, that's now was going nuts. You know that this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. Um, and then I pulled up. So I remember it was about November. I was not drinking for three months. I made. I, I remember, I think I, I made a pact to myself that I wasn't going to drink to Australia Day. So, uh, no, sorry, not Australia Day, um, Anzac Day. And I was like, that's, that's my goal. I, I won't drink through through then. I think Australia Day, I might have slipped up though. So anyways, I, I went through like three, four months completely sober, really just just ripped in. I, and work, surprise, surprise, started picking up. Didn't realise why that was happening. I started training heaps more, so I got right into my trainers on sprints. But on the flip side, so I stopped taking um, rack and I stopped taking, I stopped drinking. But then I started taking prescription drugs because I was training so much. I was getting really sore. And just like any uh, addict, I, I'd started abusing these prescription drugs. So I got Valium because my legs were always sore and I was aching and then I was doing like two-hour weight sessions, an hour-and-a-half sprint sessions. So naturally, I was going to get sore. But I started just really abusing these, these, these drugs. And again, 12 weeks went by. And it's like similar to... Um, when I was partying, partying, it just kind of escalated, escalated. Like, man, I was saying when I was going on Bendis, it was Friday to Saturday morning. It started with, like, just two Valiums and then went to three and I found Endones, you know, then I found Xenix, you know, like, and then it just kind of escalated. And next, by the end, I was having these ridiculous cocktails and just in the middle of the week, I'd come home and I, I, I've told this story a few times. I remember having like two vowels, one zenny. This is before I ate. Two, two valiums, one zenny, one endone. And if anyone out there had ever had one of those brick zennies, this is just one brick zenny, they knock you out. Like you, you're out within like 30 minutes. And I'll be eating dinner and my head will almost be hitting, hitting, hitting the plate. I'd finish eating dinner and then I'd go, I'd go lay in bed and I'd take another two valiums, a zenny, and an endone. 
And then I just fight it for as long as I could. And I'd wake up at like four in the morning when my alarm's going off. The TV would still be on, like everything would still be on. And I would just like, I'd be on pretty much sitting up upright from the position that I was in. So yeah, I got rid of the, the cocaine and drug, um, cocaine and alcohol, but then stepped in prescription drugs and gambling. So I started gambling more as well. So I started to make a lot more money. So I had a little bit more expendable cash and then the gambling addiction. So I had this one void where to fuel from the alcohol and then I just put the, the uh, prescription drugs and gambling straight into it. So I looked physically healthy. I was a lot, mind you, I was a lot more switched on and I was a lot more energetic and stuff like that because I was getting fantastic sleep at night. Um, but I was, I started feeling, feeling the void there. Um, so I made it through. I, yeah, I, did, I definitely did drink on the Australia Day, but it didn't kick on after that. I then went like another two months after after that, which was to the, the Anzac Day that I was talking about. I, and I didn't drink on the Anzac Day. And I was like, oh, mad. I played my first game of football, killed it in my first game. I was the biggest I've ever been, the fastest I've ever been, the fittest. And then the next the next day I went and um, did sprint training and I, I tore my hammy. Like, I was just feeling good and I was like, oh, I'll go train. And I knew I shouldn't have because but my ADD and I couldn't sit still. So I went and did sprints, tore my hammy, and I, was, I knew it was bad because I've t- I tore my hammy. I think it was that was the fourth time I've, t- I've torn that same hammy. I Actually, funny story, and I'm finding out about two years later that I kept tearing my hemi, hemi because I had a tight left lap. Doing the maths on that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, you've had the same thing. Was it? No, no, I was just saying down the chain. Yeah, like down the chain. I think said I had the same. I was like, no way. Yeah, I didn't realise it. But and was yeah, it was the like, left hamstring or the right? Left. Yeah, left. same. Straight down. Yeah, torture. So I knew I knew how long I was going to be out for. I knew that it was going to be torture. But such a pessimist, you know, I didn't, I didn't think of what I could have been doing, you know. It was almost like an, a nice little... Um, you know, escape route too for to go. Oh, I can't do this. I can't train anymore. So I got back on it that Friday night, and I remember I'm like playing mind games with myself. Do I go out? Do I not go out? I was like, Nah, don't go out. And then that like little devil on the show was going, Nah, go out, go out, just have a couple of drinks. It was never the way for me. So, anyways, went out for a couple of drinks all the way to Sunday. From Friday to Sunday, it was like I never left. Like, didn't have a single, like, problem going from Friday to Sunday. And I hadn't drank, drank pro- like, other than Australia, I had not drank for three, four months. And that's a long time. But, yeah, it's exactly like I, I'd never left. Monday morning, went to work, and I was screwed. I remember trying battling through that. And I went home that, that Arvo, and I was so, so tired. And I was like, I just can't complain all day. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I went to sleep on the Monday. And I woke up at about 9.30 and, my, and I had two classes, two PTs and, and the 9.15 class, 9.30 class I was meant to go to. And my alarm was just going off and my phone was ringing. I slept all the way through and I didn't take any prescription drugs or anything. I was like, what the hell? I quickly raced to the gym, went to the gym. I said, look, I'm not feeling well. Did a class, um, went home, cancelled all my sessions for that, that Arvo, got someone to cover me in the class and I fell back asleep, fell asleep for another 16 hours. And I just felt like shit. So I went to the doctor by the end of the week. I went to the doctor and said I had chronic fatigues because I'd been training so, so hard up until I tore my hemi. 
And then I just went on this massive bender. So I was like burning the candles at both ends of the stick. So I got chronic fatigue and I had chronic fatigue when I was 18 as well. So again, I knew what I was in for as well as my hammy. So I got these two things that just happened to me. And rather than going, all right, well, if I can't train, I can't do this. What, where can I focus my attention and be productive in other areas? I was like, no, nah, throw that shit out. I'm just going to be destructive. And I, I even started like having like, this is where it got real bad. So I started having like solo benders in the middle of the week, you know, just, uh, you know, I'd, I'd get back, you know, I'd be, I'd, now I've got rack and I've got prescription drugs and prescription drugs I saw as like the, the stop button if I needed to. And I was gambling even more because I wasn't working and then I was staying up all night. So, you know, it would have been about two months that I was going through this and then I got another another big bombshell um, put on me. My, my, my grandma, she was she was going to pass away. She had two weeks to live and, like always, didn't have the ability to communicate and talk to people. So I just went off and, and just went on benders by myself, wouldn't talk to anyone. Um a really sad moment for for me and uh, um you know this guts me every time like i think about it but I, I went on a bender by myself and i hadn't seen in that this is in that two-week period that my grandma got told that she was going to be she was going to pass away she was at st george hospital and she told i uh, sorry and i went on a bender and i knew that she had a couple couple weeks to live i didn't see her for the first three days and i was like i gotta go see her but i was off my head um and i remember i just just made the decision to go in to see her and, and we went in there. I remember I had a line just before I walked in and I was rattled, but I was like, I've got to go see her. Walked in and thank God she was asleep. Like, thank God she never saw me. She saw me like that. So, which was, you know, looking back on that time, it's, it just shows you how, how low, you know, your rock bottom can go. And even though that wasn't even my rock bottom gets lower. But, yeah, I did that. Thank God she didn't see me. But then I, I remember... My mum asked me to speak for the grand uh, for the, all the grandchildren, so I sobered up for a whopping week, and um, like no one knew. No, by the way, no one knows what's going on. Like I'm super secretive, of everything. Like I'm hiding away. I'm in my car. I'm driving. Like no one's seeing any of this. I'm gambling in, in all different places, so no one sees me. So my mum and dad have got no idea. My family's got no idea. My family are like brilliant. Like there's none of this. This is all new. It's just my personality. Yeah. Anyway, so we get I, I um I do I speak for my my all the grandchildren at my grandma's funeral, get through that and then just bang, bender, 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 bender. Um and to kind of add more fuel to like out of control fire, I left my then partner who I had my kid with, and then I started dating my now fiance Chloe as well. And this is a pretty big deal back then. I couldn't really I shy as a small place, you know, I was quite well known and so was Chloe and so it ruffled a lot of feathers so I kind of had my back up against the wall I felt like I had my back up against my wall and I was just fighting my way through life with that you know with even with mates that didn't agree with it and right now I get I get I understand why so that was 2015 um towards the back end of 2015 was the lowest of the low. Like I went on an Oztag trip, bending through, didn't play um, on a Saturday, let all the boys down, and then made the, the Australian Barbarians team did the same thing. There was only two weeks later, Friday night, I got bended and ended up pissing off. So I just couldn't keep it together anymore. Like I just, um, I wanted to escape pressure. Just that life's pressures. It not nothing, nothing big. Just life's pressure of being a dad, running a business. 
um, and then my new partner, and then I can't, and I felt like the world was against me. You know, I was the victim of life. Is my mentality back then? I wasn't setting goals, had no focus. So 2015 ends. I've, I've my lease runs out for my factory, and they don't want to give me my lease. My part, my business partner AJ that I spoke about at the start. He wants. He's leaving. He's going back down to live down where, or kind of where he's from, down the coast, down kind of with it, with his partner as well. Um, I'm losing customers every single day because of how shit I, I've been, and I'm. I was actually even fat at that point too. Got a little bit, a little bit pudgy for myself. So, um, and to make things totally worse, I broke up with Chloe the first or second of January. She. Um, I was went. I, I went on a bender. It's a laugh. It's not that funny. But on <laughs> on New Year's New Year's Eve, we're laying laying in bed next to each other, and one of the boys called me, and I was like, "All good." No, I'm not going on a bender. And then I was like, "Oh, I couldn't." You know, I had FOMO, pretending like I was going out to get something, and then I've gone on a bender on New Year's Eve, 2015, going into 2016. Obviously, went the whole next day. She, her sister, her sister and her mum were going to Bali, and she was staying with me. And then she's like, "No, nah, I'm going to Bali as well." So she broke up with me and went to Bali on the second of January. So come 2016, like I, I was, I thought was at rock bottom. I went and shaved my head. I went down the coast and shaved my head because I didn't want people to recognise me. So I had no factory, no job, um, nothing. I took I took my two trainers at the time to go have a look at the factory just before I went down the coast. And they were like, yeah, yeah, this looks sick. This looks great. Um, really cool factor. I was like, yes, yeah, sweet. When I, get back from, when I get back from down the coast, I'll sign the lease and we'll start up. Uh, blessing in disguise, that didn't happen. They actually ended up taking that factory. Um, when I came back, I called the real estate, said, no, nah, someone else has taken it. And those, those two boys took it. And then I didn't know, but they'd actually even been talking to all my clients at, at Keeping Young and they got, you know, 70, 80% of them straight over to, to their gym. I was filthy, um, you know, but at the same time, like, what do I expect? Like, things I was doing, um, I, I don't, I still to this day don't hold a grudge against uh, either of those boys. Like, you know, a lot of people when they heard that story will blow up, like, you gene up, like, did that actually? And I was like, yeah, it happened, but it is what it is. I found a little factory. Um, so I'm just trying my best to stay sober. I'm, I'm walking out on eggshells at the start of 2016. I uh, find a little factory, and this this place was a shithole, proper shithole. Um, so there was a fish market at the front. There was a trailer, a dirty trailer, and the guy was a legend. My landlord was a legend. Um, there's a, a, a trailer part, a trailer repair slash they built um, trailers um, where I was, and then I was above the trailer part. It was only small, it was only 120 squares in total, and that included um, it had a bathroom with a shower and an office and like a little. We made it into a crate, but there's just a little, like, office room. And then the actual square foot for um, the gym was only, like, 80 to 100 med squares max. It's tiny. If you ran out the front, it stunk of fish, right? So, anyways, I was like, yeah, let's get this. This is hectic. It was 500 bucks rent a week, which is a piece of piss. So, I knew I couldn't get myself in too much trouble. I only signed, like, a one-year for two-year option or something, something small. Anyway, so I'm just doing my best, just struggling. And honestly, I couldn't pay people to come train with me. Like, no one wanted to train with me. Like, I lost my, I lost my gym. I lost all my credibility. I lost my, my reputation was tarnished. 
know, no, no one liked me because of what I was doing on the weekends. There's still people that kicked up a stink because I left them and was with Chloe. So I was just battling. But, like, I stayed sober for the first two months and then I went on another Oztag trip. Far out. And I, I, if, if well, we went out and we had a few beers on the Friday night and, and I had bags ready for the Sunday and when I had a lot, so Friday night, I'm like, no, you can't have any, can't have any. You got to like 11 o'clock and everyone's going to sleep. I'm like, no, I need one. Went and had one, one line. And luckily, luckily the, the rack was rubbish. So I, I, I was like, oh, that shit and went straight to sleep. So, but it would have happened again. If the rack was half decent, it would have happened again. Only the third tournament in a row. Anyways, got through the Saturday night. We had a massive bender on the Sunday night, and I hadn't drank before that for uh, like one or two months, probably two months. And then um, again, it's like I never left, and it just started like I started spiraling. Um, when I got home, started spiraling out of control again. I started drinking a little bit more, um, and I, I managed to get about six or seven clients. So I had a little bit of money coming through, and then I got an email from a guy that invested in our business and we had a big falling out around the time that my um, my grandma my grandma passed away and we, and we had to pay back this money. Um, so what he said in the email, I was like, oh, just because the company Keep Young had finished um, and I started my own business, I just called it Keep Young Fitness Club or something like that. I just added the club or at the end of it and I thought that was that man that that because that was done there was no one no one owed any but me and AJ as partners we legally owed for for the, the remainder of the money and it was like eight grand or something like that it wasn't too much money but yeah at that time eight grand may as well have been 800 grand like I was making 250 bucks a week barely and after end and then um yeah again had no way of communicating. I had no form of, you know, a healthy way to escape these problems or look at it and say, well, there's the problem, what's the solution? It was, all right, there's a problem, I'm going to go, I'm going to solve it with another problem and I went and drank and started gambling. It was a Tuesday night. It was a fucking Tuesday. And it was a Tuesday leading up to Good Friday. And it was, I went and started gambling um, with one of my mates. Mate that lives here. Great. We, 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 what a dog. Nah, he's a good, he's a good lad. I'll get into why he, he's living here in a second. But um, so, yeah, we went and had a few beers and he's like, oh, come on, bro, let's go. I was like, no, nah, I'm fucking staying. I had half a bag left over from somewhere, but I had like 10 bags at home. So I went and got these bags uh, and I just kept going by myself at the leagues club, went home. And then I pretended to go to work the next day, got on it all by myself. This is just me, no one else, all the way through, all the way through. So what are we up to the Wednesday night? I um, I call one of one of my sister's old boyfriends and they're like, mate, this is like 10 years ago. I don't even know how we got we got in touch. But anyways, I ended up meeting up with him, drove. So I've been pissed for 24 hours off my head, I haven't slept, drove to like Randwick from the Shire, Went to some weird pub, gambled, um, got more on it, and then drove home and kept getting on it by myself. Went through all the way through to the next day, and then that, that guy that I was with came and met me. And we're at my house, and my parents went down the coast, and I was, I was, I was living at my parents' house as well. <coughs> so 
I'm on it all all through the day, like just doing weird shit, getting more bags, going back to the Leeds Club, coming back, went all day, all, all night to the next night, got to the Thursday, like morning, uh, like lunchtime, sorry, and then finally passed out, passed out and I went, slept all the way through to about 11 o'clock on a Friday, so it's good Friday, and I wake up and... And my mum, I knew my mum was away. I wake up to my mum shaking me. She's like, Travis. I'm like, mum, what? She's like, it's 11 o'clock. Why are you asleep? I'm like, go away. Like, I'm tired, blah, blah, blah. And my mum, like, I'm a massive, massive mummy's boy. Love my mum. She's cute little Chinese lady. Oh, she's a real dreamer. Anyway, she wakes me up. She's all, she's all sad and worried and I get up. I'm trying to put clothes on. I'm trying to just get out of there. And she's like, Travis, talk to me. What's wrong? Again, I couldn't communicate. I didn't have it in me. Boys were being taught, you know, suck it up, move on, right? That's like, you know, the, the old school mentality that I kind of was brought up with. Suck up, move on. And I was like, no, mum, I'm not going to, I don't want to talk about it. She goes, Travis is talking about it. So I go, I go, I've got a gambling problem. I don't know. That just came out. And she goes, bullshit. And my mum, little Chinese, the first time I've ever heard a swear. She says, sugar walk. She like she says whoopsie daisy. She's not a swear. Like she get bullshit. I was like rocks, and I was like whoa, like that. That's like the sea bomb in my mum's yeah. life. That is big. And I go like I just remember like going fuck. Like I remember blowing up, going piss off, jumped in my car. All right, and, this, and this is rock bottom. I jump in my car. I drive out to Kona, and there's a cliff. There's cliffs out there, and I'm just I'm crying my eyes out. And I just I'm just like I, I don't want to fucking live anymore. Like, I can't get it right. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop gambling. I can't stop taking drugs. Like, I'm, I'm in 30 grand of debt when it comes to drugs. I'm, I've got this eight grand debt to this guy um, that invested in the company. I hate this. Like, I had the time. I hate this guy. It's his fault. Like, you know, it was everyone else, their problem, not my problem. And I'm going, this is bullshit. You know, fuck this. I'll be, I'll be better off dead. So I sit down and I, Find find something to ride on in the back of my car. Pull out. It's it's the cardboard box of a six pack of Corona. I get it and I find a pen and I start writing a um uh, a suicide letter to my son Jet. So Jet would have only been like a little bit over no not yeah a little bit over a year old. He's one year seven months old around there. I start writing this letter saying you know I'm sorry I can I'm not the I'm not going to be the father that you want me to be and, you know, all, all this shit. Like, and it still chokes me up now. Wrote you this. Not to me now. Oh, bro. It gets me every time. I, 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 there's not one time I've seen this without, like, being, like, home strong. But, I'm a yeah, bit so, too. Oh, bro. Anyway, so I write this letter and I blocked everyone in my phone. Like, my mum, dad, anyone that was close to me, I blocked. I, blocked. I, I, I hadn't blocked Chloe because we'd been broken up for that three, four months. We'd been in contact, but... Not much. Anyway, she calls me because um, my mum called her and asked if I was with her. Anyway, she got on to me and luckily she was able to talk me off the ledge, so to speak. So she's like, well, come see me today. And I was like, yeah, no worries. Um, went and seen her. Stayed at hers that night and then the next day went home and I was walking. I didn't even, I didn't even get in the front door. My mum comes out and she goes, do you want to go to rehab? Mind you, I didn't even know that my mum had a drug problem at that stage. Like, I... Because all I said to her was, I had a gambling problem. And I go, I didn't even think. She goes, you want to go to rehab? I said, yeah. She goes, all right, you go to Thailand next in three days. And I was like, 
Okay, sweet. Then I found out my mate Gray, he went and spoke to my mom. was like, everything that I couldn't communicate, everything that I couldn't say, everything that I wanted to say but I couldn't, he went and did that for me. You know, he spoke to her and explained it to her. And, you know, I'm so grateful because I couldn't do it. Like, I wasn't man enough to do it. I, could, I couldn't face my own problems. And I couldn't, I couldn't verbally, I could think it, but I couldn't, I couldn't verbally say anything. Anyway, and that's, that was my biggest lesson when I went to, to rehab. So my mum comes with me to, to rehab and I always had anxiety the whole time, vomiting every day before leading up. And got got over there. Um, I walked in as a Friday night, met a few of the people and it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was strange. Like the people weren't strange. They looked like normal people, but like they, you could tell there was something off by, with a lot of them. And I was in a, like a, a youth kind of style. I was 26. But I think the, it was like a 25 and, and younger. There was only one guy who I, I got on really well with because he loved footy, he loved power, and I, and I grew up with Brad Takarangi. So I just used that. I just plugged on that one as much as I could. So, yeah, I got there um, first Friday. got there Friday. Mum had to leave straight away, but I got to see her the very next day, luckily, because it was like Friday. Um, Saturdays, you got to see, you got to have visitors if you had visitors over there. Anyways, so the first thing... Um, in the group, as a group scenario that we did was training. Fucking perfect, right? I'm in my element. And, and like, you can, it's like your first day of school. You want to kind of not show off, but like you want to earn people's respect. So I got in and trained. And I, there was three different components and I was the only one that did all, all three components. And I, I loved it. It was the first time, shit, like I think it was the first time ever that other than footy, where I was just being trained again. Like, it, I don't think I'd ever been trained. I never even went and got any, like, PTs or anything done myself. So, anyways, and I, and I just really, really enjoyed it. It kind of reminded me why I love training because I fell away from that massive. I was barely training. Like, I do, like, a chair. I do, like, a party pump once a week, and that was it. But, yeah, really loved it, did that. And then this – so got the respect of all, all the other people there. So, like, straight away I, I formed some um, really good relationships. And it was about 16 of us. Monday rolls around, we do our first process group. Now, have you seen in, um, in movies where they sit around and they go, hi, I'm Travis, I'm a drug addict, and they go down in circles like that? Exactly the same. Exactly. The same. Oh, the only thing difference is you say how you feel. So you go – Hi, I'm Travis. I'm feeling anxious and excited. I'd always, that was my go-to, anxious and excited. I was anxious because I was nervous about what was going on, excited because I was progressing. That was what I'd always say. Um, anyway, so I sit down, dude next to me starts talking. And this story is like next level. Like this, a lot of the kids that were there just come from a lot of money. So he's talking about like 12 years old, starts smoking weed, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking thousands, he's punning thousands and thousands of dollars pounds and then um because he's from london anyways he told his massive so it was like three four pages of him just going through this story i was like holy shit this is next level mind you at this time i didn't think that i needed to be in rehab because every other person i, I figured out bar one was there for ice now i'm like i've never touched ice i'll never touch ice but what I started realizing, Grayson's just rocking up here now. What I what I started realizing later on was all their stories. The first part of their stories was always the same as mine. So I was just in in the first part. If I continued, I was going to get there. Anyway, so this guy finishes talking, and he goes silent. I go, oh, okay, so you just speak. So I just started speaking, 
And I, I just started telling everyone, I'm saying everyone, I'm crying my eyes out to 16 strangers, never met in my life. And I'm just bawling, I'm talking, I said this, I did that, I shouldn't have done this, so on, so forth. So I kept doing that. And when I finished, everyone started clapping. And I was like, what's everyone clapping me for? I spoke to my counsellor later on that day. And the reason why they, they, they were clapping was because I told my story first ever session. That guy that told his story, be great. Here he is. Just talking about, we was just talking about you, Gray. I'm on a podcast, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I, I told my story straight away and the counsellor told me that the guy that told his story, it took him three weeks to tell his story. Yeah, and he courage. goes, yeah, to get the courage and talk and be open. And he goes, the way, the way that you'll get through this the quickest and get the most out of this 28-day program is if you be open. You have to be completely open. If you sit there and hold back, hold back and keep the walls up, you're just going to prolong your stay. And I wanted to get the fuck home. Like, I, I had my one-year-old at home. You know, I was, I was going around. And, and back to Gray, Gray called me every single day, FaceTime me every single day, go get my son, take him to the park, FaceTime me. So, you know, that's something I'll never, I'll never ever forget. So each time the counsellor challenged me from then on, I, I, I did it. Everything he asked me, he asked me to read my letter from my mum that no one, I had never, I'd never read before, no one had seen. I had to just pick it up, read in front of everyone. Mate, I told you as a mummy's boy, my mum was just ripping me. The tears, I couldn't, I could barely get through because I was crying so much. So, and then challenge after challenge, everything that he asked me to do, I, w- I would do. Every time we came into these process groups, I would always be the one that would be the most open. So I'd gone from being someone that couldn't talk about anything with my chronic my feelings and I'd just changed, completely changed. And I, I was just opening up and and I'll be, I'll be completely honest, after that first day when I did my first story, it's not that I felt like I was cured because you're never cured. They, they, they say that an addict's brain is like if you get a cucumber and you and then you pickle it, it's always going to be pickled. You can't turn it back to a cucumber, right? So I'm not cured, but I got it. I, I, I felt relieved. I felt better just because I spoke, told my story. I was honest. I was honest for the first time in so long. So I did everything. I remember the last thing I had to do after the 28 days. Oh, sorry, one more thing. We were sitting around in the big circle in one of these process groups, and this was the light bulb moment for me. And they go, and, and it was one of those normal process groups, and one of the patients asked, what, what is the success rate for people um, to, to be sober if, if they only do 28 days? Because everyone only wanted to do 28 days. But every single person there, got put on for another two weeks, one month, three months. Most of most of the guys that had been there for a long time, they're up to like six months. So like I was only going for 28 days, one month, that was it. And the guy and the guy at the council goes, well, to be honest with you guys, there's only going to be if, – if you only do 28 days, only 2% of you will, like, will be sober for six months. And everyone, all, everyone's going, are you serious? This is bullshit. Like how are we meant to how are we meant to do that if only 2% of us is going to, you know, survive being sober? And everyone's, you know, kicking up sink. What about six beers? What about this? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting back and I'm not saying anything. I didn't say anything for like two, three minutes in the council. must have been watching me. And like I said, I was always vocal, always vocal. And he goes to me, Trav, like why aren't you saying, I'll sit back like this. And he goes, why, why aren't you saying anything? And I go, oh, because it, it doesn't matter. He goes, why does it matter? He goes, I go, because I'm going to be that 
and the whole room went quiet. Everyone went quiet in the room. And I go, and then he goes, why do you think that? I said, because I made my decision. I go, I understand what I've got to do to be, get better. That I know what the problem is and I know what the solution is. You've told me what it is. So all I've got to do is just put that into action. And then, then they hold, everyone was quiet and no one's saying, everyone's kind of thinking about what they're doing. And then they all start going up a bit up in the arms about, oh, no, but what about this? What about that? But my mind was made up. I knew. Like, like I said, light bulb moment. Like, I'm going to be that 2%. And coming from a sporting background, coming back to competing competitive, I want to win, you know. I want to win. Everything I do, I want to win. I want to be the best at it. You know, if, if I'm going to be a sober person, I want to be the best sober person there's ever been. I want to, be, I want to get that much. I want to kick that many goals. I want to be the best person ever. So I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. So my last challenge for the 28 days in, in Chiang Mai was to um, speak. And we'd go every week, we'd have to go to um, a, a local, uh, I think it was AA. It might have been NA, a, like a Narconis uh, Anonymous class. And it was like 60, 70 people in this thing. And like, I was shit myself even talking in front of the group most of the time, even though I didn't like, like say it or I, I just was always quite confident, but I was shit myself. Anyway, so there's 60, 70 people. This, they're from all walks of life, England, America, China, everyone. Like, dude, and, and these are where, like, the proper, like, if you think of a junkie, like, what they look like, this is where they are, like, tattoos up their neck, like, skinny, like, scratching and shit. So I get up and I, and I write this goodbye letter to my addictions and it just, it kind of, I talk through each of my addictions, cocaine, gambling, and that kind of, I talk like they're my mates. And then, like, I kind of tell them by the end, like, to fuck off and say goodbye, blah, 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 finish. And again, normally everyone goes quiet. Bang, got the clap straight after that as well. Everyone started clapping and celebrating when I, when I finished doing that speech. So I was growing in confidence with, with what I was doing. And my counselor, I asked my counselor, he's like, oh, should I should I start stay on for another two? Did you want me to stay on for another two weeks? He goes, no. Like, he goes, you're ready? And I was like, shit, well, if he thinks I'm ready, and I'm ready. And when I got back, I, everyone, like, I think everyone, a lot of people think once you get back from rehab, it's like, oh, Perfect, like everything's roses and rainbows. No, the 30k debt that I still that I had was still there. I was still broken up with Chloe. I still owed that guy that eight grand. I still had no clients, but I wasn't drinking. So, you know, there was that plus. And are you clean and sober since then? Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah. So that was 2016. Two. So two. March 26, 2016 was the last time I ever I ever drank, touched drugs, nut, alcohol, everything. So that first three months, right, I got home. I, I told you I had all those problems. All I did was put my head down, my ass up and just worked. Everyone that I did wrong by, if I didn't call them, I'd catch up with them and say sorry to them. You know, if, if I felt that I needed to say sorry to someone, I made sure that I wouldn't do that. I needed I needed to start communicating all these things that I couldn't say in the past because I didn't have the balls and I wasn't man enough to do. It's funny, you say suck it up, be a man to move on, but it's opposite. Man up and 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 you know, right your wrongs. So I started doing that and just started focusing on 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 the solutions. I, I wasn't worried about any other businesses, you know, those guys that took all my business. I didn't approach any of their trainers. I just put my head down approach the people that were training with me before and just ask me if there's anyone else, if you ever have any friends that would want to train with me, just let me know and I'll hit them up and I'll give them a free session. So three three months, head down, bummer, and that was another light bulb moment. Uh, at the end of that three months, I was still in debt. I still, I still, I, I just got back with clothes, so, but it, was, it wasn't, you know, roses and rainbows. There. There's still a lot of issues there. But after three months, I had not caused one single problem. 
I didn't cause any drama. I was just me being me. And that was a big win. Um, and I was about a month away from launching my first Reborn Challenge. Oh, sorry, biggest thing of all. I, I went to rehab. KB Young was still alive. When I went to rehab, went, no, I can't continue that that name. You know, it's dead in the water. What can I call it? One of the patients there goes, what? You need to be reborn. I'm like, that's it. Reborn's the name. So Reborn came from one of the patients, Aaron Gretsch, in, um, in rehab. Anyways, before I even landed home, I'd already, uh, you know, my cousin was my graphic designer at the time. I messaged him saying, this is, I drew it up because I, I can draw quite well. It's an Asian in me. I drew up the Reborn logo and I sent it to him. I said, can you make something like this? So by the time I landed, I knew that I had a new name. It was going to be Reborn. But I didn't launch it until my birthday, July the 9th. So I launch, I launch Reborn um, and we go in, we're about to do this, um, my first ever A-week challenge and I put so much work. I make this audio booklet that, I, that I've done. Um, I put more energy and effort into the recipe book. Like I just create a whole package and I talk about lifestyle. So keep young's all about the six pack, the big muscles, you know, what looks good on Instagram really. Then Reborn, I'm like, it's not like that. I'm, I'm worried about the best thing here. You know, how beneficial training can be for your mind, um, can be for your lifestyle and how it's going to help you be a more productive person, be a better dad, be a better mum, be a better worker, employee, be a better boss, a CEO, whatever it is, if you train, this is what you're going to be your benefit. Yes, the physical things will come, but I'm focusing on this side of things. So Reborn had a whole new outlook. And I, I launched this change, and I remember I, was, I, I hired two boys. That one, one was just got um, he just did his PT. The other one just got fired from being a PT from another thing. But they're both footy boys, so we got each other, and we we, we understood team teamwork. We launched, and I said, guys, if we get thirty, I'll be able to pay you both twenty bucks a session. We'll be laughing. Anyway, so we went live. And I got 60. And mind you, 60 people was like 600 people at the time. We got 60 people on this challenge. It was in October. I just won. I came back and, um, from rehab, started playing footy as well. Literally won the grand final on the Sunday. Started the challenge on the Monday. 60 people, boom. And I was making money again. I was paying back all my debt. So... I got everyone in for that challenge, and then as soon as the challenge finishes, we got great results, and I just had this huge momentum, and I put on another challenge in um, the end of November slash going into December. It was just a four-week challenge. I was like, boys, if we can get 60 again, like, we're laughing. We're gonna be, it's going to be great. It's going to be so good. We're, we're already up to like 70, 60, 70 members um, on regular membership already. Like, we're killing it. Born put it out there. We get 80 on the next challenge, right? And we've got 110 members in total. I'm not even a year into my lease. I'm only about six months from being home. And we've kicked. We've kicked heavily. The gym's profiting twice as much as it was at KB Young, right? And I, and that, and I only own 50% of KB Young. So then I was able to pay all that 30K debt. Every time I got the big challenge tickets, I went bang to debt, to debt. So I was, I was still living like I was making 250 bucks. Like it's, it's all I was doing. I, I was just paying all my debts off. Anyway, so then we, well, then I go, I've got to, I've got to get big. I've got to start looking to the future. And I, I just started like window shopping and, and started checking out factories. I went and seen this factory and the real estate, I went to one with him and I, the real estate agent took me to another one. And then I walked in and he was talking to me and then like, I just 
I just blanked out what he was talking about. And I said, you get a pen and paper? He was like, kind of looking like I was a weirdo. He gave me a notepad and I sat there and I drew the layout of how I want this gym. Anyways, to this day, that's how the layout is in the gym right now. I drew it like, very, very creative. Could see it straight away as a bang. So after I spoke to my landlord and I said, mate, I've got to get out of this contract. He said, that's fine. He's an absolute legend, like I said before. Legend, got out of that contract, went to this next lease, signed a five-year lease. We needed 200 just – and I know it was a ballsy move. Like, this is a big play. Oh, this is a big lease, yeah. Mass, yeah, but, my, but the premises. So I went from 80, 80 to 100 square gym. This premises was 500 squares. It was five times the size. Rent was five times the amount. Oh, no, it was four times the amount. So, anyways, getting there, I needed 200 members just to break even. We did a challenge, bang, kicked straight away, got to 220 within the first month. Now, for the next three years, it's just like it's been just consistently going on. I've learned so many lessons, like in that first six months, how to be a leader. The only two two staff members I had before that was um was the, the two footy boys. So relating to them, like relating to your brother, it's very easy. But then, you know, introducing having female staff, then having more males, more personality. So learn a lot about leadership through that time. For that six months, finally got my my gauge on how to do that. And like biz, any business, it's, it's just constantly like there's up and down battles. Um, we got to 250 by the end of the year. Um, and then it, it just kind of, we just kind of cruise along that way. Last year, 2019, who even knows what last year was these days? Are we still in 2020? Yeah, yeah. We are? Far, yeah. Who, who would know? But and last year, we, I was like, all right, I don't want to sit around 250 to 300. I want to crack the 300. Um, let's go for it. So we went hard last year. Uh, by the start of this year, we hit 300 members. And then the goal was to get to 350. And the week, the week of um, when we got put into isolation, we got to two, uh, 348. We two away. So we'll get it when we get back anyway. So that's where we're sitting now. And then since isolation happened, um, it was the I remember I just kept I kept talking to all my clients the whole way through. We we're just being really, really proactive. And I, I wrote down two weeks before we went to isolation, I wrote down three different um, plans for different scenarios. And I just kept updating the, the clients. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. If we do go into isolation, don't worry, I've got you guys covered. Anyways, we... we Monday morning rolled around, which you would have known. I fell asleep on at eight o'clock on the Sunday, and as far as I was concerned, we had till Tuesday and we're allowed to do outdoor trainings. And then Monday rolled around, they go, "No, you you shut us twelve o'clock today." So that happened, and I just put out a big video and I said, "All right, guys, these are the options we've got. We can go outdoor. We can do ten per session. Uh, I think it was ten. Was it ten the first time?" And I said, "I'm not going to do it because." I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And I feel like that will be a part of the, the problem. And we're going to go online and online only. We're going to have stacked um, roster, so stacked timetable, sorry. So check it out. Bang, emails coming in, suspend, suspend. And I get it. Who, who would have thought online training would be good? I thought it would be shit myself. Anyways, yeah, so did I. It's amazing, oh, actually. Amazing, right? So yeah. Monday night, I remember just being down the dumb 7 o'clock that night. And just like feeling sorry for myself and just going like this is bullshit. 
and I was talking to one of my clients and he's like, you know, you got to be think about this, think about that. And I, and I found myself being pessimistic and it's so not me. And I snapped down and I wrote a post and, it, and the post was, was to me. It was to me to snap out of it. Anyways, and I was like, no, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be the person of inspiration. I'm going, to, I'm going to lead the way through these tough times for all my clients, my family. I'm going to be the leader. So the next morning, I, I, me and my, my, my manager, we went for a run. And like, the first K, he's just going, oh, did you see this person suspended? This is bullshit. It was me at 7 o'clock. This is bullshit. I said, bro, shut up. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm not trying to make you angry. And I, no, no, no. I go, it's all good. Just shut up. I go, just listen to me. All we need to worry about right now is being positive. I go, be positive, be the inspiration, and be the leaders. If we do those three things, the numbers will sort themselves out. I don't want to hear about any numbers until Friday. I don't want to hear anything. I go, just just follow me. And everything I do, I just want you to back me up. I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard. We're going online tonight. Already very you were going. I said our first session tonight, it's me and you. We need to give everyone as much as we possibly can, be the inspiration, bring the energy. And he goes, Yeah, sweet. I said, when we get back after this run, I'm, I'm doing an Instagram story and we're telling everyone it's going to be the best session they've ever had. Mind you, I personally didn't believe that it was going to be the best session ever because I was thinking how good could a Zoom session possibly be. But anyways, fuck it. Fake it. I just faked it and went, you know what? We're going hard. Let's just see what happens. All day, pumped it up, pumped it up. Well, like if we get 30 people on, it'll be, it'll be fantastic. We just need to get some people on and, and just show and just give them something so then they can talk about it. It comes on, it's 5.15 that hour, we go hard and our energy's through the roof. We're like, But what I quickly figured out was how good it was to get in the trenches with my clients. I was training with them, sweating, just absolutely carrying on, and so were they. So whatever I would do, they would match. Whatever they would do, I would match. So it was like meet your halfway kind of style. We had 70 people in that first session. Then our, 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 our timetable rolled through. We just, got, we just kept doing all our normal classes pretty much. We got 30 on the next class, 40 on the next class, 50 on the next class. And what we started noticing, people started talking, have you done a Zoom session yet? They're hectic. They're, they're so good. Do you trust me? Get on a session. Get on a session. Get on a session. All our clients started talking about it. So we get through to the Friday, and it's Friday's me and Dykesy. So you know Adam Dykes? Nah, I don't. Old footy player. Anyways, he's just an animal. So he's like, um, does he give the pep talks on your Instagram stories? He, he's the one. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like Batman. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> we g we g this session. And we're like, we want we want as many people as we can. It's going to be an all new class. And me and him, we trialed it the day before. We got a video down, put a promo video out for it. Like we were just going, just reacting, getting shit done. Putting we're putting online videos out. We went live before anyone else. And as we had a promo video before anyone else, and we went live with our, our membership on the Friday at 12 p.m. But our last session, free session, was the 9 a.m. and we got 80 people on the session, and we just went feral. Me and Dorothy sweating on, sweating from from head to toe, wet nuts. Membership went live, and that's when you that's when you'll find as a gym owner. That's when you find out whether you you everyone talks about having this unbelievable community. Tell you what, if you didn't have a, 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 an unbelievable community like you've been talking, it was a very humbling moment. But for us, it was beautiful to see because on Monday, email, 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 suspend, suspense, terminate, suspend, suspend. By Thursday, Friday, keep me on, love the classes, keep me on, love what you guys are doing. You guys are my inspiration. And that purely comes because believing in ourselves, backing ourselves, and then just going for it. 
and not not worrying about how it looked. We just gave everything we had and, and we've been doing it ever since. So we did that. We've launched a channel. We've now got a challenge run at the same time now. Um, we're still climbing in numbers. We're getting more and more each week. So, you know, from four years ago, I was four years, one month and a couple of weeks. I was going to rehab. Now I'm sitting here in the toughest financial situation possible, but numbers numbers are increasing. And by the time we get out of this, like oh, I'm I'm sure that we're we're going to get you know climb 400, maybe even 450 by the end of the year. So it's a good time. What, Ch- um, what's what's changed? What's capacity for your joint? Yeah, I, I reckon about 500. But in saying that, with the current timetable we've got, it'd be it'd be 350. And then I have to put more classes on. Um, we'll continue to do the Zoom classes. We've got people from, you know, we've got a guy from Spain doing it at the moment. We've got a few footy mates that are in England, New Zealand, Melbourne. Um, yeah, we've got cool. four in Central Coast. So we'll keep going. We're, we're, we'll keep doing it. So that will help with the numbers as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Let me um what a, what a journey yeah yeah what a journey yeah and um I mean you're above and beyond it now thirty one still got life ahead of you yeah exciting times ahead now yeah hundred really percent I just want to take away things. a few things that I noted down from like what you post and stuff on socials and give me a little rundown steak yeah. lover oh I love steak. Love steak. I eat way too much steak. Yeah, they look quality too. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I've got looking after. It, it's a like a, a little bit of a story. The guy from um, Mr. Wagyu Beef, the guy, he messaged me and he so he was going through a similar time. On the Friday before we got locked down, he's, he had, he had $1.2 million worth of stock ready to go to all these restaurants. But the restaurant shut. They got no one to go to, so he messaged me. I think it was on the, on like the Saturday, so he just jumped on it as well. He just messaged me saying, "Hey, bro, I see that you um eat a lot of steak. Would you like to try some my steak?" I was like, "Shit, yeah, I'm, I'm all about that life." He goes, "I'll come see you on Tuesday," and just happened to be. He goes, "I'll see you," and I said, "Look, I'll be down there about four thirty. Was about forty five minutes before our first class, and we sat there and we spoke about it. And I just said, "Look, we're just got to adapt and adjust." He's like, "I'm doing the same thing." And he started doing home delivery um, Wagyu beef and stuck up a little little um, relationship. And now he looks after his steaks every week and whew, they are good. Perfect. Good. Tell us a little bit about New York Marathon. Oh, the New York Marathon nightmares, bro, nightmares. So training went really, really well, which is what, what I thought went really well. Um, I think my watch might have been out because I just didn't feel like I had – had the training in the legs towards the back end of the marathon. Um, mind you, a couple other factors, like you fly over two days before a marathon, like that, that flight's torture. Plus, when we land in New York, you're not going to sit in your hotel the whole time, you know, just because you've got a marathon. Like I went out, I thought, oh, I'll just walk around a little bit. I did 15 k's in the two days leading up um, of walking without even meaning to. Uh, first 15 k's was, was hectic. I was flying. I was going way too fast. I'm such a show pony. I had my, my headphones off. And when I was running, I um, was running too fast. But the crowd, you're running through. You, have you ever done a, like a, an event, a running event? No, I haven't. In, in Sydney? You there, Lock? Yeah. yeah. No, no I haven't. Like, no offense, but it's shit compared to New York, right? <laughs> so, running like, you know, 30, 40 people are like along the way and then that towards the end you run into you know the thousands of people from the start to finish of new york 
there's just crowds either side just pumping so yeah show pony had my headphones off got carried away ran too fast got my first cramp at 25 k's in my left calf um and i never cramping my calves either so it's a bit weird it was at the top of this hill that's another thing i got wrong they said the only hills in this marathon are, are bridges i'm like sweet i run over a bridge every day it's like a 400 meter bridge at best probably 200 meter bridge these bridges are two k's each one k up or one k down i was like what is this so my legs were gone cramped 25 and i was aiming to get four four hours 30 and i was just behind it and then i was just i knew i was in a world of pain from 25 k's on and then i got to around the 30 32 34 k mark and I had no idea where I was because I, at the 25K mark, I realized that my watch was out because I looked down and said I was at 27Ks and I found my first kilometer marker because it was all in miles. And I was shit at math, so I couldn't work that shit out. I wasn't prepared. And then um, I saw it was 25. I was like, oh, my God, my watch is out. I'm only at 25Ks and that was gut-wrenching it as it was. So I was around 32, 34Ks out. I got, got a cramp again in my calf. and had these salt tablets. And I had the, the, the last two of them, and just as I was, I, I slowed down for a bit. My calf, my calf, uh, the same leg that my calf was on, my hemi went. So I cramped my calf, my hemi. I'm jumping down, then my right hemi went as well. So I'm doing this like weird robotic on dance, trying to get my, trying to stretch my legs. Um, and it was like six, seven minutes. I was on the ground, just struggling. And this guy came up to me. He's talking to me. He's trying to get me to get up and go into a medical tent. I remember, for some reason, the guy that I was running with, uh, my running coach from the gym, was like, "If you go into a medical tent, you get this, you get um, disqualified." And even though that wouldn't matter because I was going for a time. I was just right. I was like, "No, I'm not going in a tent. Go away." But I started hobbling up, and I messaged Chloe, and I was like, "Chloe, I'm not going to make it. My body's my, my body's fucked." And she just wrote back. You can do it. I'll be waiting at the, at the finish line. And I just remember riding back. I'm coming for you. So I just got up like the Terminator, started running. I cramped the whole way. And that that 8 to 10 Ks felt like the, the whole marathon. So it was absolute torture, but it was one hell of a, something to, of an achievement as well. Yeah, 100%. And for the people listening, like you did actually train really hard for this too. Like it wasn't like you just booked a ticket and went and done it. No, I did like t- like my twelve or fourteen week um, session um, roster style where I'd run three day- times a week. I was doing like one long one every week, a short and fast one, and then like a- and then I was doing some far leg stuff. I was doing hills. Yeah, no, I tra- I trained hard for it, and I thought I was training so well, especially on the long ones. I was cruising through them, but again, I think my watch might have been out. So now I have. Whenever I run, I have two things going. I have my phone going and I have my watch going just in case. And whatever's the longer one, I just stick with that one. Take it. Yeah, 100%. Um, early to bed every night? Yeah, bro. I try to get in bed. So I always want to get um, eight hours sleep. So if my alarms are 4.20, if I want to get up, if I want to get eight hours, I've got to be asleep by 8.20. So that's always the, the game plan. Um, eat by about 6, 6.30 at the latest 6.30 and then straight into bed up early like i said at the start i'm no good at night i'm horrible energy's down no energy whatsoever so yeah, every night i'm asleep early i'm asleep before my kids most night <laughs> tell us about your hot colds oh yeah they're getting hard now they're getting hard so this is just something we just started doing since lockdown because i was getting so sore and it wasn't too bad at the start because 
Um, it wasn't that cold, but now the pool is freezing. So what we're doing, what I do at the moment is jump straight in the pool, do two, two, three minutes, jump out under the shower for, I've got a hot shower right next to my pool for one minute and then back in for two minutes, back under uh, the hot and then back in for either one to two minutes. So um, two minutes of the start in, in the cool minimum or three minutes and only one minute and then just rotate between it two or three times, most of the time three times. And do you know, you yeah. can notice the difference? Yeah, like I, I know that like the, the science behind it's a bit like, you know, there's some people for it, some there's pros and cons, not cons, but like some people say, yeah, it works, some people say it doesn't work. Um, I think if it, if you like it placebo effect, even if you think it, it feels better, like I feel more energetic after, I feel like I'm, it wakes me back up and if I've just done a tough session and I'm feeling like, like lethargic after it, it just zips you straight back up. So um, recovery-wise, I, 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 again, perceive if you think it's working, then then it's doing its job. And I, I think for me that I was really sore the first two two weeks, and since I've been starting doing, I'm not as sore. So yeah, I guess it's working for me. Yeah, and you get a lot of the NRL boys in at Reborn for preseason. Yeah, we had a fair few of the boys at start of because I like I said, um, I grew up with Brad Tackeringi, um and then Boydie Corner, he lived up the street from me when he was down here for his four or five years. Um, so we were like little, we were like brothers um, growing up. I was like, he was like my little brother. He's but and I was really close with his older brother Dane. Um, uh, Reno Cat was the first one to come to my gym. He's really good mates with um, Gray because Gray's brother played um, plays with with Bryson Gordon plays for South. So he was the first one I met. So you kind of got those three, and then. It just kind of he brought him, and then you know, the next thing Louis coming down, and B Moz and J Moz. Um, you know, we get we got all the all the, all the boys. You got Dean Hulltower down there now that, that they retire, and that's just their their gym. And why they love it so much is obviously because we're footy boys, but we've got that kind of camaraderie. We all train at six forty five together, and it's it's as close to football as you can you can get without the football. So it's like the best part of it. It's the boys, the camaraderie, the banner, the shit talk. But we all rip in and go like as hard as we possibly can every morning and I think that's why they love it the most because we get in, we rip in, we, ta- we talk shit before, we rip in, we don't really speak that much, it kind of grunts and moans and then at the end, like we just sit around and talk and go get coffees and shit together. So it's like they're still playing footy, they've got that kind of routine as well. Um, and then when the boys are on their pre-season, uh, sorry, they're in their off-season before pre-season, all of them come in and that's they, they just stay fit with us during those times, Damien Corky's. He, he actually trains all year round. He he played Origin on the Thursday, uh, Wednesday, and he he came into a Friday morning session just just because, like he played on the Wednesday and then came into a Friday morning six a.m. session with his missus. Crazy. It went hard too. So yeah, no, we're really fortunate to have those boys come down. It's it's good to train in that uh, kind of elite environment as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Lukey Lewis, you're good mates with him. Um, I listened yeah. to your podcast the other day. Tell us about the best prank that he's played on you. Uh, okay, magic card trick. So he, we, we go to the same place every morning. We go to TV ground, which is just around the corner from um, my gym. And I don't know, I think we've been mates for like a year or so. It's weird because me and Groover feel like we've known each other forever. But yeah, we've only been about a year. And I walked in just after him and he's going, he's doing this magic trick and he's going, show me his card. He's like, yeah, this is your card, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yep, that's my card. Puts it back on the deck. He's like, all right, try and find in the deck. 
I'm like, yeah, sweet. Couldn't find him in the deck. He goes, all right, lift up your plate. Lift, lift up my plate. I go, no, it's not under there. And he goes, no, look under the plate. And I looked under the plate. And a blue tack underneath the plate. <laughs> I'm like, bullshit. How did you do that? How did you get that? I've been like, my plate's been there the whole time. No one's been able to lift it. How did you get it under there? Anyways, and I go, I saw the card in the deck. Anyway, so that was his best one he got me. And then I, I spoke to the girls that work on the, the counter. There. They put the, the card there. And he still, and I told him that's how, that, that they told me that. And then also that it was, I think it was the, say, the Ace of Hearts or something, but it was really the Ace of Diamonds. He only showed me the top part. It was something like that. And he was like, no, nope, not it. I'm not telling you how I did it. I'm not telling you how I did it. So that's the best kind of prank he's got me with. But I've watched him get a lot of people. He does this mumbles game where he talks and he mumbles and you don't understand it. And they go, what? And then. He mumbles again, they go, oh, pardon? And he gets people, they'll be across the room, he gets to come right over to him. He's like, oh, I just asked if he wants water. And they're like, what? And he just, oh, he's just a kid, man. Like, he tried to get me yesterday with the mumbles game. And I looked at him and I go, bro, are we still there? <laughs> yeah, he, he's, a, he's a prankster, man. He's a, he's a little kid. He brings a fart machine with him. <laughs> I love the long black where he was... Uh... <laughs> Ordering for someone and always ordered the extra long, extra hot, and long black. Because he gets he gets extra hot. Google orders extra hot, but he stitches people up. And it was Boydy Corner. The boy <laughs> was just walking around with this this couple. It was a hot chocolate. He's walking around with a hot chocolate for like right. two hours, and then like Google was on his third coffee. He's like, "Man, how are you drinking that? Goes, what, what's wrong with yours? It's really hot." He goes, "Oh, it's weird." Yeah, he's good. Very uh, good. Too good. We jumped on to talk about organisation and everything, but I've got to wrap it up. I've got my my young fella, Melissa's got to race off. So Yeah, that's all good, bro. Another day. Yeah, sweet brother. You know um, another one. Yeah, he's the king of organisation. He's got go- he's a goal setting king and he uh breaks it all down into weeks and then days. That's the one. Uh, yeah, I'm big on as well. But mate, yeah. I appreciate you being so open and honest and um Not a problem, bro. listeners will get a lot out of it. Thanks, brother. Let me know when you want to come back on. Sounds good. Thanks, legend. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more wasted energy spinning the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your news. Thanks for listening, guys. If this resonated with you, make sure you jump over and you flick Trav a message. Uh, he is a really nice, approachable guy. If you haven't uh, left a review yet, make sure you do. And if you like this episode, take a screenshot, pop it on your Instagram story and tag me in it. Uh, Until next time, thanks for listening.